1: Well, welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with
0: Ryan. Hey, what's up, Robbie? Thanks for your time. I appreciate you having me.
1: Ryan, you know what really I don't like about Facebook is the fact I get random friend requests from people I've never seen in my entire life, and then I just let them sit there. I just, I, I don't know whether to accept it or delete it. Maybe we came across each other in a store and I didn't know your
0: name. Yeah, that's, uh, well, you know, it's the the struggles of being famous, Robbie, you know? I You're a wanted
1: man. I wouldn't call myself famous. Maybe I did a crime and I didn't know about it. But like, it's just weird. Like, how do people find you? Like, I remember this girl had messaged me and sent me a friend request through Facebook, and she just knew me from work, but I never gave her my name. I never had like an introduction. And she goes, Hi, Robbie. I'm like, how the fuck do you know me? And I end up finding out that she asked people I work with what my name was and then where I live. And I'm like, why is she asking where I live? I don't want anybody showing up to my house unexpected.
0: Yeah, I mean, these are the things we deal with. Uh, I don't know. That that doesn't really happen to me <laughs> so often. I uh, guess maybe it will now that I'm on your podcast. Maybe I'll get uh, you gotta have fans, recognized. Dude. You gotta have fans. Come on. Uh, just my mom. You know, <laughs> <laughs> a handsome
1: man like yourself. You're telling me you don't have a couple of stalkers in the wings? It's all in the lighting,
0: Rob. It's all in the lighting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Ryan, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, man?
0: Uh, I'm down here in Florida, uh, in Tampa, and uh, I work in video production, uh, mostly in television, uh, working for uh, networks like ESPN and stuff like that. Um, and I also started a podcast with my close friend, Jason Peters, and uh, we co hosted together. It's a film discussion podcast. And uh, you know, we just started it uh, like everybody else in this world. Uh, We started a podcast. you know, you're either going to make sourdough bread or start a podcast in this quarantine that we're up against right now. So I opted for the podcast because I already had the equipment and uh, you know, learning how to do a starter batch of yeast just didn't seem like my cup of tea. So uh, yeah, we uh, discuss films and we try to bring a new level of energy uh, to being nerds and uh, we kind of run it like a comedy sketch show or or uh, even a morning radio show and, and kind of bring that uh, energy to it. But yeah, it, it just started as a labor of love. It, it was something Jason and I were doing anyways, just calling each other out of boredom and talking about movies. And so, uh, you know, the age old thing, well, someone should record this. And, and we did. And uh, we got some traction and uh, it kind of took off a little bit. And uh, it's been pretty successful for us. So we're just having fun with it you said podcasting
1: or sourdough bread so if you don't understand the fermentation process you might as well dive into podcasting
0: am i right i guess yeah that's what we did uh that's something i was much more familiar with
1: when did you just why did you guys decide you wanted to talk about film i know you kind of deal with espn and workings in it but what's your fascination with like i got talking to jason for a long while about the whole industry in general but like more like the thoughts of movies too like it kind of changes a lot and like you see a lot of movies everyone's so hyped up for like everybody's hyped up for the tv show the mandalorian season three when it comes out next year it's a fucking year away why is everyone so hyped up for it and then wonder woman 84 came out i have seen nothing but bad reviews on it where i'm like did you just hype up did you just hype up your hope too much like is that what you did
0: yeah i mean uh we we've had some fun hyping up movies. We've had some uh, greater fun tearing down movies. Sometimes that's, uh, that makes for a better show. I think sometimes is uh, just, you know, how how did they get away with this? Or, or, uh, you know, what the heck were they thinking? Um, You know, it's funny, uh, some movies you watch and you think it, it would bake for a good program uh, you listen uh, to the podcast or whatever, and you realize, you know, the good movies are actually kind of boring to talk about. Cause it's like, yeah, it, you know, that was good. I like that. But when you could really dissect the film and break it down and, and uh, kind of get into the, the travails of filmmaking and, and what were they thinking and stuff. And we, we like to take a deep dive into some off the beaten path films, uh, whether it's the first films by famous directors or little, Uh, off-the-beaten-path films by famous directors or, um, you know, a big indie film by a not-so-well-known director, and it's kind of like, how did that happen? And uh, so, yeah, uh, but as far as expectations go, um, I try not to have any. It's uh, a lot of these films that we have on our list that we talk about that we cover are films that Jason and I have wanted to watch and just never got around to or haven't seen in many years. These are oftentimes older films or classic films, so um, you know, we don't really cover the Wonder Woman 84s of the world. We leave that to Twitter. <laughs> There's enough people talking about those already. You start to
1: come across that some of those independent films that you've never even really heard of yet up discovering 10 years after they're created are sometimes better than the ones that are always in the limelight. Like, it makes me trust when I see a lot of trailers for a movie, I'm just like, is is the hype i think the hype's too much because sometimes like digging up through the past like if you look at all these a lot of these horror podcasters or horror community involved people they're posting up really old blu-rays or really old like vhs tapes of films and stuff and the shit's like whoa sam elliott hunting bigfoot and also killed hitler at the same time like what is going on like that's a film it might not be the best to watch but you're so fucking intrigued by all those things added up into one
0: yeah uh th- that's been i think the the most fun of the podcast is just kind of giving myself homework and for it because there's always you know we all have those movies on our list of like man i want to see that someday or you're scrolling through and just looking for something to watch whether it's on netflix or amazon prime or whatever and you just never really commit to watching these films so it's been fun to kind of give myself some homework and and be able to take notes and do it not only watch the film but uh you know kind of do a deep dive and then bounce ideas off my buddy Jason as well and see how you know another film nerd felt about the same movie uh that we watched at the same time so um yeah uh, and I, that that that's that's Sam Elliott, uh Sasquatch Hitler movie is definitely on my list that's <laughs> that that's awesome you brought that up cuz I I'm hope- have you seen it yeah it's pretty good it's
1: a lot of people Is it good? Okay good. I wouldn't accept my reviews on movies because every movie I love people hate so just I just understand that before you go into it but it's fucking sam elliott hunting bigfoot and also killed hitler i mean come on yeah
0: that's a winning recipe i'm that's, sorry that's, <laughs> that's a, just out a concept a, alone yeah that's a cocaine movie
1: that's a movie where someone was on coke when they were writing it filming it and then producing it um if you look if you look at uh what do you call it um damn it what was that movie called i was gonna say i'm trying to look at like because movies like there's a movie that just came out or not just came out is actually coming out and it happens to analyze the whole year of 2020 basically for us it's based on covid but it's called covid 20 and it's like five years or 10 years after suffering from the virus and there's only very few people that are leave their house everyone's locked up inside their house the whole world is practically like an apocalypse wasteland type thing and i'm like Is this offensive for a lot of people? How many people are going to want to watch this? Because this is a lot of, like, real shit involved in this movie, but it's very, very dramatized up. Like, if we ever encountered aliens and they made a movie about it, they would be like, fucking, then we had sex with every alien and started a whole species or something. It would be too ridiculous.
0: I mean... Yeah, I'm just waiting in line to fucking Alien. That's what I'm waiting for. Uh, so don't knock that till you've tried it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a little too soon on the COVID 20 thing. I'll probably take a pass on that. I'm living it. I don't need to watch it. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe that'll be one of those uh, retro throwbacks. When, you know, in 20 years, our kids will watch it and, and say, wow, is that really what it was like? Well, it's like, is <laughs> it like, when you're watching,
1: is it going to be like, is this a movie or is this a documentary? Because we don't even know what the thing's going to be like yet. You know what i mean like we're not we're not really seeing an end goal right now we're kind of see the glimpse of the light but it seems like keeps getting covered up so i'm like right you don't know if we could be fucking suffer another two years of this and you're making a damn movie about it
0: yeah no that i think that definitely falls under the too soon category <laughs> too soon too soon uh again but that one's not on our list we're not going to talk about that <laughs> you want to worry about hearing about that on our podcast
1: well what exactly all right so what's the movie you got you're going to talk about on your podcast then
0: um well we've done some uh some really good ones just recently the lighthouse came out and i think that's been our best episode to date uh, as far as listenership um you know something uh, i didn't talk about that uh has been a lot of fun to participate in is uh you know not having sponsors uh, just starting from scratch and, and not having uh, commercials we decided that we would perform our own fake commercials and do comedy sketches um, and uh, base them on the movies that we're discussing that particular week. So uh, that um, The Lighthouse uh, you know, has a pretty traumatic <laughs> graphic scene where Robert Pattinson is drunk on turpentine and hallucinating that he has sex with a mermaid. And it's uh, the first time in film history, cinematic history that I could think of where they graphically show you how sex, what sex with a mermaid would be like. And it's pretty mind boggling to wrap your head around, but top it's half in the or film, bottom half? All, all halves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's, they, they show you in graphic detail what a uh, mermaid vagina looks like. So uh, you just got to go with it if you're watching that film, but in discussing it, you can't help, but take a uh, take pause and, and say what the hell was that about? So the comedy sketch or the film commercial, uh, the, the, com- the commercial or sponsorship in that particular ad, I performed uh, as Willem Dafoe uh, in Salty Sea Dog talk, doing uh, like a mermaid strip club called Flippers, and uh, so th- that you know doing these, uh, and then you know we do the, the following week we did a uh, Sweet Sweetback's Badass song, which is known as the first black exploitation film uh, from 1971, I believe it is. And, um, man, it, that was a really rough one to watch too. That was a hard 70 or excuse me, 97 minutes, uh, of cinematic <laughs> history to get through, but again, uh, uh well, why, why, why the was whole thing kind of plays out. Why was it, what's hard? that? Why was it hard? Oh, it's just, uh, the movie itself was very jarring. A lot of really rough edits and rough cuts and, and, uh, it didn't really know what it wanted to be The the, the message gets lost in a lot of the low production value, um, but you know it, it served its place in history and and it needed to be made it was black exploitation was um a means that the african american community uh, they kind of had to diy it to get their message of what they were dealing with in the streets and what their communities were dealing with you know now it's on every news station and and uh, you could just scroll through we've got hundreds of channels of television and and uh, news outlets that get this stuff out there, not the least of which is the internet. But back then, they didn't have any of these things, obviously. So, um, someone like Melvin Van Peebles, the writer and director of that film, had to uh, take it upon himself to bring that message uh, to the mainstream via black exploitation films. And it was littered with uh, the, the exploitation side of black exploitation. You of course have the African American community representing the black part of that, but then. You've got the exploitation side and that's what makes it hard to watch is uh all the stuff that they have to or that they try to litter the movie with to make it more enjoyable i guess i don't know there's like weird scenes of uh, uh the way they use sex in those films uh, is pretty hard to watch i don't know it was it was a rough film it's not a very <laughs> well produced
1: film well There's like, well, there's two different, two definitions of rough. Is it, was it done in a wrong way? Because then you see like the exorcist, that's a fucking rough one to watch. You know, like it's a very good movie. It's always known as like the classic, but it's fucking rough, dude. When she says that your mother's going to suck cocks in hell, like to her own mom. And I'm (laughs) like jesus man like she was fucked up after that movie was filmed like she she went down a dark path because i don't think you can stick across a whatever a crucifix in your pussy and end up being an okay actor later in life
0: yeah uh i haven't tried it we'll 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 maybe get there uh later this year and see what that's like (laughs) um no the exorcist was a well-made movie but dealt with difficult subject matter and in a very explicit way uh a movie like sweetbacks badass song um is just a a, a very low budget film for starters the audio was terrible the film gate uh for the camera was dirty constantly so you have the hairs and flickers that you're uh sometimes uh, that that will accompany a low budget film like that um and just the the storytelling itself or the character arc or the dialogue none of it was very very well done um so but you know, it, it, look, it's interesting to go back and, and you know, dive into some of these films. I could say I've seen it now and, uh, and experienced it. And uh, again, you know, being able to go back and, and find some humor in all of that by making these fake commercials and comedy sketches and, and uh, trying to bring some lighthearted humor and some fun to that uh, has been a cool experience as well.
1: Have you ever came across a movie that might've been way too graphic for you? Like one that was like, oh, I don't, I do not feel comfortable watching this at all. Like Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses was fucking a good movie, but that was a lot for me to be 14 years old watching at a bike shop. Like it was not (laughs) something I would say would be that, I guess the perfect scenario.
0: Yeah, probably not, uh, not the age you should be, uh, consuming that level of graphic horror. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that, um, what do they call it? Like horror porn or gore porn or whatever, uh, I'm not really into all of that. When you start digging into like the hostels or saws of the world, uh, that's just not really not my speed. Um, you know, trying to create cringeworthy experiences for the viewer to engage them or bring them into a terrifying situation by close-ups of body parts being dismembered or things like that. Um, yeah, that's just really not my speed. Uh, I've seen them, but. Uh, Cringe Yeah, that's a hard one. Those are those are hard ones to get through.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you look at any type of like classification of movie, whether it's the comedy and action or a horror film, horror has one that's easily bankable on, which is the fact of I can just chop somebody's arm off and incorporate gore, and it's a horror film. But sometimes the scary movies that really I feel like are the best are the ones that really don't show all that type of stuff, like The Mist, for instance, or you know, um, I would say split's kind of a horror movie it's more like dealing with mental health i think is like a a crazy issue but like the fact of you don't need to have everybody's head chopped off or things being slaughtered every minute to make it a horror film you can make it scary without ever showing the monster i mean if you analyze movies back in the day you would see a werewolf attack but you would never see the fucking werewolf it would just be a dude getting clawed and the camera like zoomed up on his face and you just hear him screaming and the animal making noises then it would go off
0: and that scared you No, you didn't need to see any part of the werewolf. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for years, um, filmmakers did exactly that with violence, where they would leave it up to the viewer to fill in the blanks, uh, if you will. Uh, A director by the name of Sam Peckinpah uh, broke that mold uh, with films like The Wild Bunch, where it was the first time really in cinematic history where you got to see the person getting shot. So before that, you'd have John Wayne, you know, doing the standoff in the middle of the street, and then he'd pull his gun, and you'd see him shoot his gun. And then when we cut back to uh, his victim, they were already on the the street dead. Uh, with the Wild Bunch changed uh, in cinematic history, or, or movies like that, uh, Sam Peckinpah was really the first one to do that, if I'm not mistaken, uh, is show what getting shot looks like, and have squibs, and and have it all violent. It's it's uh, something that has gone on to inspire filmmakers like Quentin Tarantino and, and Robert Rodriguez and people like that. But, um, but now horror uh, has kind of done the same where, uh, again, it was always kind of left for, for years, it was left more up to the viewer to fill in the blanks. Um, and as horror started to get more schlocky and cheesy, they started to show you more. And I, I think the first example of that that I could think of personally was Texas Chainsaw Massacre the original by Toby Hooper, uh, where, man, that scene, uh, have you seen it? Have you seen the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre? And I'm thinking of the meat hook scene where Leatherface picks up his victim and and hangs him on the meat hook and he's just left dangling there, um, helpless. And uh, it's a quiet scene. There's no traumatic music. There's no violins. um, It's just him wriggling around and the sound of metal chains. And that scene will haunt me for the rest of my (laughs) uh, life. You know?
1: I think a lot of scenes I look back like old movies, I started to rewatch like I'm a giant fan of signs. A lot of people don't like that movie, Um, but I feel like it's really, really intense. And from when I was a kid, I mean, I saw it hundreds and hundreds of times. And then I recently did a podcast with my buddy Chuck, who does like a movie podcast. And he's like, let's talk about signs and why you love it so much. So I rewatched it. Once you're rewatching it, you pick up on shit you have never seen before that you didn't even notice. Like the part where she goes, there's an alien outside my window. That whole scene I skipped out on when I was a kid. I didn't even pay attention to it. And the next thing you know, you, you get freaked out because you start to notice like, oh, my God, there's they're showing you clips and pieces of this alien, this form, this monster that is supposed to be the whole point of the movie is that these aliens are here. And next thing you know, bam, they're, they're barely showing you any of it, but it's scaring the living crap out of you from watching it.
0: Do you think uh, you had a different experience knowing you were going into the film? Because you had already seen it before, uh, obviously. So do you think you had a different experience going into the film knowing you were going to be on the hook to talk about it?
1: I think I might have had a personal bias towards it for sure. But I think what really like I was upset, I think, because I had flaws about that movie, too. I didn't like a lot of the stuff that was going on because I think. It showed a lot of very, very, very harsh and dramatic scenes. Now that I'm older, I could understand a little bit more. But, like, one of the most important scenes I feel like they should have really added in the movie, and it gives me goosebumps if I even just talk about it, which was when uh, Jacqueline Phoenix, that beautiful man, I will say Jacqueline, <laughs> but yeah, there's great a great actor. <laughs> there's a deleted scene where he's boarding up the house and everything, and they look, and it's not in the movie, but they look up and they see the attic, and the attic door is not bundled, and they're on the roof. So there's a deleted scene where he stands up on a chair and he holds the thing up with his hands. And as you see it, the aliens start stomping on the door and the thing at it keeps coming down more and more and more every time. And then there's just a stop and he's holding it up. He goes, uh, Mel Gibson goes, find something or I'm going to find something to put under the thing. And he goes, hurry up. I don't know how long I can hold this. And he goes, how long do you think? He goes, about 180 seconds, like just a fucking time out of nowhere. And then all you hear is this out of dead silence. They stopped yeah they stopped bang and then you just see his hands like bunched down and th- like if there was an alien arm it could have just grabbed him by the head and brought him in but didn't showed nothing he pushed it back up they put a bookcase under there that all he hears bang 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 of him hitting the bookcase and then a stop and then another bang and i'm like fuck i had goosebumps because the whole time you are thinking oh my god are they gonna see the aliens and it never happened
0: yeah uh that you know that's that's something that i've found is and that's why i asked you that question is uh even the movies that i've watched before knowing that i'm going to be on the hook to actually talk about them i'm not just absorbing them as entertainment and letting it wash over me i'm actually paying attention to those moments that you're talking about and uh that's been you know one of the favorite parts of doing the podcast with jason is just taking notes and and seeing what's going on but not only what's happening but why it's happening and and what Tools the filmmaker's using to evoke that emotion or try to, you know, get those things out of you, whether it's a jump scare or, you know, graphic uh, uh, showing you something or getting your brain to fill in the gaps like we talked about. Uh, So, yeah, it's not just that, oh, that was a funny movie. It's why is it funny or why is it scary or why did that, uh, you know, uh, affect you in such a way? Uh, Like you're talking about with that scene from uh, Science. It's a great example. Can't that? Can't that harm
1: the movie though? Because, like, if you try and analyze like deeper, deeper into stuff, sometimes you realize like the ridiculousness of it. Like, if you've probably tried to analyze any of Adam Sandler's movies, you're gonna be like, All right, this is just kind of stupid, <laughs> even though he gets a lot of shit, but I really like him. But like if you try and analyze Hubie Halloween, for instance, for like right excruciating detail, you're gonna be like, All right, this is just dumb shit, you know. But if you analyze a horror film or something with like a crazy story, like Lady in the Water, for instance, you're gonna to be picking up on a lot of stuff that you didn't pick up the first time, like rewatching a movie over and over again. You start realizing, oh my god, I didn't even
0: see this the first time. Oh, definitely, yeah. A- again, that's been uh, for better or worse. That's been you know one of the fun parts of the show is is doing exactly that. Sometimes you're you're right. Sometimes that ruins a film because you're a film. Sometimes is just meant as entertainment and not really meant to be dissected. Um, we just did uh, seeking a friend for the end of the world uh, as our year end episode that comes out uh, this week. I don't know when my, uh, this episode is going to air, but yeah. Uh, so I thought there would be more meat on the bones, uh, for, for us to talk about in that, in that film. And there wasn't like, it, it was a hard film to discuss and it didn't necessarily make for the best episode not to down talk my own podcast, but you know, there's only so much you could, you could, uh, pick apart with some films before you're just out of gas. And then it's just Jason and I, ranting, uh, you know, to each other for the for the other 30 minutes to fill time. So not every film is meant for for dissection in that way. But, you know, you're you punch with you the punches your just like you and I are doing right now. You just do the best you can with it
1: what are your, what are your go-tos when you're picking a part of a movie, for instance, or if you're looking at analyzing a movie, what are you looking at? Are you looking at like shaky camera angles. Are you look at, cause everyone has their own personal bias. Like for me, I have, I like to look at the actors. I like to see is, is this an actor that can actually encapsulate me into the story or is it the story that's really dragging me in? Like Batman to me is Christian Bale, but Ben Affleck is everyone talks about him. Like I couldn't get hooked cause I didn't believe Ben Affleck to be a Batman.
0: So, so what's your question though?
1: What's your preference when you're analyzing a movie? Like what, what are you, what are you looking for? You're looking at the acting Is the acting, right? Is the directing, right? Is the movie story. Okay. Can you get with it? What are you analyzing first? All of it,
0: all of it. Yeah. Uh, really, I I think the overarching, uh, thing, if I was going to nest that question and an answer, I would say, uh, what I kind of retool what I said before it's it's I'm feeling a certain way. Why am I feeling a certain way? Uh, if I'm bored, why am I bored? If I'm engaged, why am I engaged? If I'm scared, why am I scared? Um, and start to pick apart the, from there, you could take the next step and start to dissect uh, the, the filmmaking choices that went into getting you there um, uh, to that emotion or, or that, uh, that feeling. If it's funny, why is it funny? If it's not funny, why is it not funny? Uh, we just did um, a few episodes ago, a good, uh, maybe an example of that would be Booksmart. Uh, by Olivia Wilde, and Jason and I didn't find it funny. And it got great reviews, it had an all-star cast, uh, but to us, this this is almost exactly your point about Christian Bale being Batman and not Ben Affleck, so it took you out of it. To us, Smart was just a retelling of movies like Superbad or Can't Hardly Wait or American Pie, things that we grew up with, uh, Jason and I, in the 90s as kids that made us laugh, and then we watched this, and it just seems like uh, new packaging, you know, new box, same product. And so it just kind of took us out of it. Also, um, there was uh, an interesting phenomenon that went on where we realized we kind of outgrew high school film somewhere along the way. Like the challenges that these kids were traversing throughout the movie didn't apply to us. And therefore it wasn't really that funny or or we weren't really that engaged because it was it wasn't made for us. That wasn't our film. And it was too hard really to go back uh however many years to think about high school and and you know and then there's all the tropes you start to when you start to watch a lot of movies and consecutively like we have been for the podcast you start to realize um you know when you're just watching a movie every now and then and it's a casual thing on a friday night or whatever uh make it a blockbuster night um you know you you just kind of let movies wash over you but when you're watching them so many like jason and i have been you start to realize how many reused tropes and tools these filmmakers use over and over and over again it's like oh i've seen this one before so uh, sometimes that does kind of ruin a film experience because maybe a movie maybe a film isn't meant to be dissected like that all the time but it sure has made for uh for entertainment for us we've been having a good time for it and i i hope the listeners get a kick out of us you know ranting and raving sometimes too I feel like
1: with older content there was just a big a different statute of let's try and make this last for as long as possible when now it seems like a lot of movies that are being made are just meant to hurry up and make a quick box office like bump or make a quick buck or something. And it really sucks because now there's this whole era of people are wondering what the world of streaming is going to be like, how people are going to make their dollar from films now that everything's kind of incorporating onto Hulu, Amazon, Netflix, all these different Mm -hmm. types of platforms.
0: We're all wondering that. Yeah, that's uh, a huge sea change in, in what's going on right now. We're seeing it in real time and directors, filmmakers, producers, um, are all just as up in the air about it as, as you and I are right now. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. I mean, gosh, you just think about how every, I used to work at blockbuster video when I was a kid, it was such a cool job. I loved it. Uh, and then of course we went Wait, from huh. that to getting deep. Go ahead.
1: What's your, what's your weirdest experience at blockbuster? I have to ask. I've had one person on this podcast out of all <laughs> my episodes work at blockbuster and it was the funniest fucking thing.
0: Um, i i don't really remember having a weird experience i just used it as a tool to get free movies and uh you know they let you take home five at a time and you got access to the new releases a week or two before anybody else did and and um you got to hook your friends up here and there and uh, all of that of course there's the stereotypical you know complaining about late fees and all of that nonsense that was terrible but uh overall it was i don't I, I can't say i really had any weird experiences it was just. A fun job to have as a kid, but to go from that and then have all of a sudden now we're getting DVDs sent through the mail uh, with Netflix. Um, I was early on that I, I uh, You know, I was one of the, the first members or whatever. I jumped on that right away. And then of course now streaming and now everybody's streaming and now everything's kind of shifting towards streaming. Um, I think we'll always have the theater experience the the communal coming together in a theater. You know, it's such a caveman thing, you know, sitting by the campfire, telling stories type of thing to, to have that commune and, and get together as a large group and laugh together, cry together. I think that will always exist in some form. I don't think we're all just going to hunker down in our living rooms. Uh, the only exception to that would be if they uh, went full ready player one for us and created the Oasis that we could all jack in with our VR headsets and share that experience together from home. But outside of that, until that comes around, um, I think that, you know, movies will come back. I'm really kind of curious to see if they how they make it through economically. You know, AMC is on the brink of bankruptcy. You start reading the you know, the, the, the terrible condition AMC's a lot of our theaters bankruptcy? are in right now financially. Yeah, they've only got, uh, you know, AMC and, and Regal, some of these major theater chains. Um, you know, we always just expect this stuff to be there, but uh, they've only got so much cash laying around and they're not showing movies and they probably won't until the summer. So we're all kind of crossing our fingers and hoping uh, some of our nicer theaters hang around. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out in the next six months or so. We're gonna see some changes definitely.
1: Can't you just take out like a recliner in between each one of the recliners that they have and just make a social distance that way
0: so you're not sitting right beside the person? That means you get your own arm rest. <laughs> I know. Uh, I, I hope you're right. I really do. I miss going to the theater very, very much and um, but you know it, it, there's um it, it raises other questions too, like uh, a lot of these actors, work for you have negotiated contracts to work for cheaper and they get points on the back end based on the box office success. So when you all of a sudden shift like Warner Brothers did and say okay now we're going to put all these movies onto a streaming platform like Dune and Suicide Squad and all of that, well now how do all these actors get paid when they were you know working for for less on the front in in exchange for taking points out of the profit uh when the profit goes away and it's just designed as a stock boost for at&t slash hbo um you know what does that do to our contracts and how do we negotiate i don't mean to get too boring on you but uh yeah it's definitely that's
1: that's fascinating because the whole aspect of like i have wondered how like people that are filming these things like listening to um you know rob Lowe talk about you know going out and filming i always talk about rob Lowe. i fucking love that guy um
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's a cool dude to talk about
1: when he's uh doing filming and stuff how they have to quarantine they get the people the prop people on set first and then they have to wait and they have to wait a couple hours disinfect do all these quarantine type things and they get the other people on set and everybody's at set at different times I'm like a lot of these recording nights like I would listen to a podcast called the crab feast and the most interesting about thing about that was it would talk to real people like actors comedians all these things and you'd hear the dark side and they would laugh at the dark side behind the times and one dude was talking about how he was a stunt double that played in the expendables he was the Villain, and he talked about having you do those fighting scenes at night where you're on a fucking air whatever boat that floats on those swamps, those giant boats, and there's just one fucking light that is your light source of you know you could barely see on this dark ass boat at night. He talked about how you know you're supposed to act like you're getting fucking punched in the face and then you would fall on the ground. Well, he was going against what's that dude's name? Oh, he's a famous karate guy, not Chuck Norris. Jet Li, Jackie Chan. No. No, he's um Brazilian I think. He played um oh, Okay. He did the commercial where he did a split while two trucks were going.
0: Oh, Jean-Claude Van Damme.
1: Jean-Claude Van Damme. He was like I'm going to hit you, okay? And he goes, "Yeah, okay, but right before the scene jean-claude van damme had smoked like a bowl or something because he's apparently he's a big weed guy and he smoked he goes i'm going to hit you okay he goes you ready you ready and he's supposed to hit but when he hits he's supposed to stop his punch so it doesn't actually hit you in the face dude fucking clocked him and he goes (laughs) jean-claude van damme punched me right in the face and after he did it, i hit the ground and then he goes oh i'm so sorry about that are you okay and he goes to pull my hand back up and act like nothing happened but he did it four times in a row eventually i was about to swing on jean-claude van damme and it was like damn like <laughs> i love hearing those encounters and stuff like but that's not going to happen with how everything's going nowadays with people quarantine and stuff like you have to maybe film separate shots you know you just film all one scene you know how they did eddie uh, murphy and norbit it was just a bunch of overlapping scenes onto one to make it seem like they were all these one people in one room
0: yeah uh did you hear the uh did you hear the tom cruise breakdown from on set of mission impossible recently were you were you privy to that
1: when he snapped on a bunch of
0: people yeah yeah telling every because they were breaking COVID protocol and and uh you know he reamed them out uh, it's a it's definitely been tricky you know i work on set and and uh i do a lot of audio um and just miking people up and and you know things that were so reactionary and just muscle memory for me. Now I've got to take pause and, and uh, everybody gets designated their own mic now and just uh, the this uh, sterilization on set and, and protocol that we all have to abide by. Um, even so much as getting you know rapid tests before I go on a lot of the sets that I work on. Um, it's taken some getting used to. certainly hope we uh, get on the other side of this soon. I know that's a cliche thing to say, but uh, yeah pretty sick of it <laughs> it's made this my job be. and everyone's jobs a lot harder and and it, it is taking away those moments you're absolutely right those uh you can you could feel it on set as far as everybody having to you know rather than being engaging and, and and building those relationships on set you know now it's so sterile and and everybody's so far apart I don't know
1: well imagine being an actor then trying to play a role but you're already thinking about the protocols and making sure you don't break one of these things so you don't get in trouble like just having all those things weighing on your mind i don't want to see a film and feel like the actor's worried about not following protocol you know what i mean unless it's a movie like mission impossible where you're not supposed to follow the protocol but
0: (laughs) ghost protocol um yeah i uh You bring up an interesting point, because then you start to think about, I don't know how much you know about method acting, but these are actors that don't break character and that uh, live in that moment, like Heath Ledger as Joker, like you mentioned earlier in The Dark Knight. Um, You know, these are people that, uh, or even uh, Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman in Man on the Moon. Uh, these These are actors that live in that character that they are letting take over their body and mind for lack of a better description. And so how does COVID impact someone that's trying to live as the Joker or Andy Kaufman or, uh, you know, someone like Daniel Day-Lewis or someone like that, that is just giving their all to this performance. And now they got to think about masks and all these things that their character wouldn't be thinking about. So why would they be thinking about that? I could only see that as a detriment to that craft. I don't know. Strange times you're living in. Yeah, man. I'm hoping that it's uh, over soon. I'll be the first in line to get that vaccine as soon as it's available to me. I'm over it. <laughs> oh here's
1: where i stand ready okay yeah, so i've had a, i had a i had a theory for a long time as a joke saying that i would wait six months if there was a vaccine because of i am legend just saying <laughs> i'm just saying
0: yeah yeah uh bring it though i don't care whatever man chip me pump me full of whatever let's just get this over with um uh, if, if you're telling me you know i got i got vaccinated for uh Uh, Everything else when I was like measles, mumps, rubella, you have to present the the paperwork to get into school when you're a kid and whatnot. So uh, I'm over it. Like, let's just let's just do this. Stab me. I want to get on a plane. I get it. I I just what part of the country are you? uh, Are you in? I don't I I know you're uh, you're 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 Facebook fans. You don't want to give your address. They'll show up at your house. Uh, You got this fan (laughs) following. But uh,
1: I'm in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Well, Ocean City, I would say.
0: How's it been up there? You guys locked down or uh, you, everything pretty open up there? Or how how you been getting See so here,
1: usually when you hear about this, you hear about like why someone thinks the way they think about the lockdown scenario. I live in a beach town and our town locked down during like the beginning or kind of like the end of winter, but the beginning of summer. And then we opened up all the way th- towards the end of summer. So then we had a lot of businesses that ended up closing permanently. And I had known people, business owners that had basically killed themselves um, because of the fact that they've lost their whole life's work. And it's been a big shift, but we have regulations. Like I work at a gym and that's like a cesspool in anybody's mind to think where coronavirus would be. But at this point everyone's like if we get it we get it and if the people that want to stay home they should have the right to stay home but you can't stop people from going and trying to keep their livelihood alive and that's where i fight the point of like yeah i get it you know we need to quarantine we need to stay safe but at the same time not everybody has the ability to work from home not everybody has the ability to just let their business dry up and all this type of stuff and they would like to at least fight for their livelihood
0: yeah, no doubt. I'm I'm glad you're doing okay. Uh, the gym's been open though. You're able to go to work
1: every day, sadly.
0: <laughs> sadly. Got it. Um, you really
1: realize how close people become though, because just this past Christmas, like it's my first year working here, but I had like eight different Christmas cards that were given to me that were like, mm-hmm. thank you for everything that you do. And I'm like, yo, like you fucking scare me. Like the people that give me cards, like one dude, one dude that gave me a card is like, thank you for always being here. And I'm like, yo, I've seen your dick, I don't know how many times in the shower. Cause it's just naked old people in the shower. I don't know why they're always
0: there. Why do you take a shower at a gym? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. I've never once taken a shower at a gym. Uh, I'm not that guy. So, uh, you haven't seen my dick. it's just not like the one encounter i had that i'm like they should make a movie about this
1: place is that i was sitting there trying to go to the bathroom and a dad was ordering chinese food on the phone while a naked old guy was toweling off behind him and his 17 year old son was like make sure you get lo mein noodles i'm like what is happening (laughs) what is happening like i'm just like screaming like i'm trying to i can't even go you can't go to the bathroom when that happens you're just like i need to get out of here i'm in a weird scenario
0: no, that's a that's a complete one eighty. Um, makes you wonder what uh, what about that old man's dick made that kid think about low mein noodles? <laughs> what was the connection? I didn't there? Even
1: think of that. I just remember when uh, someone said, "Hey, Paul, the water is um, out of hot water." He goes, "Just like the war," and then went into the bathroom. I'm like, "What the fuck just Jeez, happened?" Jeez, that took I, a dark
0: turn. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like, but it's like it's amazing because you get to see how like connected some people have gotten with the fact of how everything has been so serious. And like, I asked everybody like uh, today and yesterday in the past couple of days, what is your new year's resolution? What are you trying to stick with? He's like, I'm hoping I can do this every day, go to the gym. But at the same time, I'm just, you know, I'm happy that, you know, I'm here and I'm happy to be, you know, out in living right now and i'm like i see now everybody has a new grasp on life like a new resolution is like don't take shit for granted like don't let all those things that we've been taking for granted for so long until this covid thing happened it was a great insight into you need to wake the fuck up because you're might not be doing something you want to do
0: yeah definitely i think that uh uh it's almost once every 10 to 20 years we get uh an event like that to that kind of rattles our cages a little bit and wakes us up uh i remember 911 um happening and uh same type thing uh, you know a, a major catastrophe like that or COVID or whatever. This is going to be the happiest episode you've ever recorded, by the way. (laughs) We're just talking about all this negative, sad shit. Here's Um, the funny
1: thing is, the funny thing is every episode I've been recording recently, especially because it seems like we're about to either head into another one or about to be out of a lockdown. Everyone's talking about this. So a lot of my episodes recently are talking about shit like this because that's the part that it is. It's real. And it's on everybody's mind because we don't know what the fuck's going to happen. That's why that movie scared me so much.
0: Right. But yeah, it, uh, events like this definitely bring out the best and worst in people. And so it holds a mirror up to your soul or, or your subconscious in a way and kind of shows people for who they really are. You know, like we could all put on the the makeup, you know, we could all layer uh, our personalities and protect what who we really are with all this facade that we create. But when you have a COVID, when you have a 9-11, when you have, a vietnam war draft or whatever it may be uh it strips all that away and you're left there buck naked and there's no hiding how you responded or what you did in that moment or how you treated people uh or or and it also kind of holds a mirror up to yourself so you could take stock and and learn what it is you appreciate i mean just from a social standpoint alone uh the things that we're missing now all hold up in our houses and whatnot um you know we talked about movies but also you know concerts and and family gatherings, and and all the things that we're all looking forward to getting back to. I just, you know, it's a it, the shame to me is that that dwindles, that feeling fades, and so we'll be back to taking it all for granted soon. I promise you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hopefully, some people can try and hold on to a little bit of it, but like I said, give it two weeks. It's just like a terroristic attack that happens. Once two weeks is up, there's this lull of like, I love everybody. I want to be your friend, but we saw once the pandemic, we're about a month and a half in people stopped really caring about giving groceries to the elderly. It kind of came to this whole other point. It's like, just learn from the mistakes and try and realize that like, we're all people trying to survive at the same time. We all fucking love movies. We all love smoking crack. Let's just be doing it together.
0: Right. Yeah, that's fine. Um, we should smoke crack together robbie i think that'd be a lot of (laughs) a (laughs) A great bonding bonding experience (laughs) it's a new podcast let's start a new podcast the uh the crack smokers it'd be fun
1: that sounds like an (laughs) awesome band (laughs) Uh,
0: i mean i'm sure people would watch we'd have viewer i mean we might get arrested but uh, it would be a good run
1: I don't know if we get any advertisements though, but look. No, uh, but, Ryan. but I
0: can make us fake commercials all cracked up. It'll be great. Oh. I've got a ton of experience. <laughs> I totally forgot you do that. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> no sponsors needed. Just crack. Lots <laughs> of it. Send, it, of in it. Send yeah, it in the mail. Yeah, the mail.
1: What Ryan. do we have to lose?
0: We're quarantined anyway
1: please promote where people can find your podcast at where um, all your links, Instagram, Twitter, everything, social media, everywhere where they can find you.
0: Yeah. Okay. So uh, start with esoterica cinema. That's my uh, mine and Jason's podcast. Uh, Definitely go give that a listen. Um, Also you could find us uh, on Twitter at esoterica cinema. Uh, You could find us on Instagram at esoterica cinema and I'm Ryan Siebold. So you could find me on Instagram at uh, Ryan underscore Siebold uh, or on Twitter at the Ryan Siebold. So, uh, definitely go give us a listen. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you, Robbie. And, uh, I'm going to go smoke some crack.
1: <laughs> i want to make sure I link it all in the description. And thank you for listening to this episode of out of the blank podcast. Hey, thanks for listening to another episode of out of the blank podcast. Now, either you're feeling super great or you're feeling eh, Either way, I appreciate you listening. I do crank out a lot of content. It's not about keeping up with every single one, but it's about enjoying one. And I appreciate your listening. So tell a friend. Let everybody know. Get the whole family together and listen to a podcast. Spread the word. And if you want to leave me a rating and review, I'd really appreciate it because it helps me keep on keeping on. Thanks so much.